Hi there, and welcome to Edit Your Darlings, a podcast that tries to take the sting out of editing by talking with darling authors about their experiences. This week, I'm joined by Sky Horn. If you listened to episode one with Bree Spicer, you might recognize this author's name from Bree's hot and wholesome recommendations. Sky is the best-selling indie author of the YA fantasy romance series Kingdoms of Fairy. She's obsessed with telling stories about magic, myths, and legends, and is an avid coffee drinker. Sky resides in the mountains of Southern California with her husband and two dogs. The first three novels of her debut series are available now, and the final novel is set to release in early 2021. Thank you so much for making time to talk with me, Sky. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. I was very excited when you reached out and said that Brie had recommended this. Oh, isn't she a gem? She's amazing. I love her. <laughs> we talk all the time about the writing process and about the struggles of being a writer. So I love it. That made my day. <laughs> I love talking with indie authors because you all have such different experiences with having your work edited. You said that you worked with critique partners, beta readers, and freelancers for developmental editing and copy editing. So that's a lot of eyes on your work and probably a good chunk of change out of your pocket. Why was it important for you to work through each step of that editing process with all of these people? How did you find them and what did you learn from them? I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I'm actually going to be going back into the editing process for my fourth book soon. So I'm back in that mindset of how to deal with all of the steps that come with editing. And for me, there's so many reasons that it's important to have an editor look at your work, especially as an indie author, because we obviously don't have, you know, a whole publishing team behind us. We're kind of just doing this on our own. Mm -hmm. So like you said, it is a good chunk of change, but it's worth it in the end. And I, I honestly believe that an editor is a extremely important part of the indie author experience, as well as the writing experience, but especially as an indie or a self-published author. Kind of to narrow it down, though, for me, the top three reasons that I found it important was, first of all, we're our worst critics as, as authors. We read our own book a million times because that's what happens when you're editing, you're self-editing, and you start to miss things. You start reading over things that you know you have read so many times that it's just you know what you meant, but maybe somebody else won't know what you meant. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important to have those different sets of eyes looking at it and, you know, seeing maybe you're not coming across the way that you thought you were <laughs> when you first wrote that scene or that section of your book. And you don't want to come across the wrong way because you want your book to make sense. And as an author, you can sometimes be subjective to your own writing and not see the things that other people are going to catch. So I think that's my number one importance for why I do hire so many people and I do go to so many people. I don't hire beta readers. I ask for those for free just because only one person. I can't afford that many people. Mm -hmm. um, but my beta readers are great. I have six of them that I go to and they've been a constant since my first book. I find that because they're so involved in my series, they can point out things that I miss and they can tell me when I'm not making sense or they can tell me when I've got a plot hole that I didn't see. Mm -hmm. So I think that's super important as well. When you reach out to your beta readers, do you send them like a list of questions or is it just sort of an open forum? For me, I do a list of questions because I actually beta read as well. And I 
that's the way that I like to receive beta books. So that's kind of what I do. I do ask them though. I ask them, you know, what method do they prefer? Do they like having a list of questions? Do they like to just read it? And most people say they want a list of questions. So that's usually what I do. Mm-hmm. The last thing that was important for me on top of the beta readers is like you said, I mean, I have my critique partner as well, who I send, you know, I get stuck when I'm writing and I send them something and I say, what do you see when you read this? Or what am I missing here? That Why am I getting stuck? That type of thing. Because most of the time you find that when you're stuck in your book, it's because you've messed something up before, not the actual part you're at right now. Mm. So it helps to have another set of eyes to look at it, usually another writer, because they're going to know that that is what I'm looking for. <laughs> There's a lot relying on that editor. And if you don't have one, then you're missing a really good opportunity to improve your writing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love my first book, Wings of Fate is my baby. And I put it out in the world and it was amazing. And I've just grown so much since I wrote it because of my editor. I completely credit her to that and say like that she saved my life because I was a good writer, but now I'm a better writer. Mm. When you get your manuscript back covered in red ink, it can be upsetting or anxiety provoking or just sound the alarms how do you handle opening the file with all of those critiques and tracked changes and still maintaining your cool so i'm happy to say i've gotten better at this as i head into edits for this fourth book but i admit that my first set of critiques and edits that i got back on book one was terrifying and (laughs) I definitely like fell down that rabbit hole of, oh my gosh, do I even know what I'm doing type thing. It wasn't my editor's fault and it wasn't my fault. It was just something I had to grow to understand how to go through, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I think I stared at that file probably for, you know, the first day, just didn't want to open it, just was too scared to even touch it. For me, it's just all about mental preparation because you know that you're not a perfect writer and you know that there's going to be issues you need to address. And you have to have an editor who understands, you know, what you are, what you are as a writer as well. Mm. So for me, I've got a thick skin, but I'm also a little bit sensitive. <laughs> like, so my editor is great because she will give me the hard comments followed by a joke that will lighten the mood <laughs> and make me feel better about that huge mistake I made. So she's very like lighthearted, but also very, you know, straightforward with me, which is what I need. Mm-hmm. So in order to, you know, get through that, it's all mental preparation and, you know, telling yourself you are a good writer, but you can always be better. And that's what the editor is there for, to help you better your book in a way that you didn't see before. So I think that's just so important for any writer to be able to take the critique and understand that maybe some of it's opinion, maybe some of it's grammar and you need to fix that. But just to be able to go into the experience with an open mind and avoid, like you said, that mental breakdown, because it definitely is a struggle to have somebody else look at something that you are so close to, so involved with. How do you create distance? You said Wings of Fate was your baby. And so getting the critique on that, knowing that you've poured yourself into it so hard, how do you step back and say, okay, I am now ready to hear what needs to be improved? That's a great question. Creating distance comes with distancing yourself from the work to begin with. So that sounds like the most straightforward thing in the world, but it's actually very difficult as a writer because you write this book and you've got your first draft done and you've self-edited it and you are, you know, you've talked yourself up and you've said, okay, I did this. It's great. I'm going to send it to my editor now. 
And then you get it back and you know that it's going to be marked up in red. Mm-hmm. For me, it's taking the time away from that manuscript and maybe working on something else. Maybe I write a short story or I read my favorite book or to just do something that gets my mind off of that manuscript for a while so that I can look at it with fresh eyes when I come back to it. Because I think that if you are just focusing on that manuscript and you're just focusing on what you did wrong, then you tend to be negative on yourself, or at least I do. Mm -hmm. So it gives me time to, you know, reassess how I'm feeling and look at it with fresh eyes and be able to say, okay, you're right. I could have done that better. Or wow, I did say that way too many times (laughs) because I get those a lot. (laughs) Two questions. I'm going to follow up in there. One is you said you have a favorite book. Oh, yeah, I definitely I I probably have too many favorite books, but I have a couple (laughs) that I that I reread. I'm a huge Sarah J. Moss fan. So I tend to reread her books all the time, like especially A Court of Thorns and Roses. That's Crescent City, right? Yeah, Crescent City is her newest one. And it's definitely one of those books that I feel like I can keep reading. I do tend to travel toward her and she also writes in my genre. So I feel like it helps me just kind of distance myself from my own writing, but also be in something that I love. Absolutely. Because I love fantasy. I'm just addicted to fantasy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also a huge fan of Cassandra Clare, the Mortal Instruments series. City of Bones um, was one of her first series um, for the Mortal Instruments. I feel like that book is a good world building book. And so when I'm stuck in world building, or I know that I'm going to get notes back from my editor about that, I like to go read books that are full of world building, kind of like Tolkien and Mm -hmm. things like that. I tend to distance myself toward her so that I can, you know, still be in the YA genre since that's what I'm writing right now Mm -hmm. and see how other successful authors are able to do it. And I think that helps a lot. Plus reading is just a therapy for me. (laughs) And then the other follow-up that I had, I wondered... If the view of the page makes a difference, if you're looking at all of the track changes and then you just toggle so that you're hiding the track changes but see the new text, I wonder if that makes a difference. Do you look at it with all of the track changes on? I do, actually. I've never thought about doing it any differently, but I like the idea of that. I definitely look at all the track changes on and I actually have two screens up most of the time Mm. and I kind of go back and forth between that because I feel like if I'm typing in the edits, then I understand them more than if I'm just hitting, you know, approve or deny. Mm -hmm. So I have my old manuscript open and I have the edited manuscript open. That gives me the opportunity to kind of focus on those certain changes. But I've never thought of hiding certain things. That is a good idea because I feel like it would help you focus without getting overwhelmed by all of the track changes that are on your manuscript. Yeah. And I also feel like you can take ownership in that new version too, right? If you don't see the red, then everything on the page is just yours. Yeah. That's why I like having a second screen because I'm looking at a whole new manuscript at that point. And I'm, you know, I'm seeing that I've made these changes, but I don't have to see the red ink anymore. It's just there. (laughs) (laughs) Mentally, that's good. (laughs) So I want to get further in the details about your Kingdoms of Fairy series. Now, I'm still reading the first. I'm still reading Wings of Fate, and I imagine we'll have some listeners who want to pick it up, so we won't go into any spoilers, but I had a couple of questions about it. First, it's a fantasy romance, right? So there's lots of emotions and yearning and 
almost touching. (laughs) How did your editors shape those emotions and those relationships? Did they make suggestions like taking out or putting in gestures, nuances, other changes? My developmental editor is the one who really pays attention to those romance plots that I have going on. Mm -hmm. So obviously with Kingdoms of Fairy, it is a romance based book. So it's fantasy, but there is a heavy romance plot going on. Yeah, there is. (laughs) And I love romance. So that is one of my favorite genres to read, especially in the fantasy and sci-fi genre. Writers are mimickers. So we tend to mimic what we like and what we don't like. It kind of shows in our writing. Mm -hmm. So I feel like my editor is really good at pulling those things out and being like, okay, that didn't sound like your voice. That sounded like you took that from somewhere else. And so I actually really love that. I love that she can tell the difference between what was my voice and what was somebody else's voice. That's a skill. Yeah. In that sense, she changed the way that I wrote romance, which was great. And she shaped me into this new voice that was more my own and a little less of the mimicking, which we tend to do as writers, especially when we're reading and writing at the same time, Mm -hmm. which I 100% recommend, but also, you know, you have to be careful. I think that in regard to the emotions and stuff, that was all there in my manuscript and she just helped me make it better. Are you going to continue working with that developmental editor forever? Do you think that a different developmental editor would continue shaping your writing in different ways? I have worked with this editor since the first book and that's been very consistent and very good because she knows the story as well as I do basically. Mm -hmm. So it's really difficult if you switch editors in the middle of a series, because obviously then you're going to run into the issue of, well, did they read the first book? And do they know what's happening? And do they know how I'm connecting this from point A to point B? Mm -hmm. Um, So having her as somebody who already knows my writing style and already knows, you know, what my weaker points are and my stronger points are, has been a lifesaver. And it's been a relationship that I've been able to form with her. That is great. So I don't know that I would switch up developmental editors just because I know I trust her, I guess you could say. Yeah. But that being said, obviously, there are editors who work better in different genres. So she is very much fantasy genre. So maybe if I decided to write a different genre, then I might be looking at a different editor just because of the genre choice. Mm -hmm. But as long as I'm in fantasy, I feel like she is my good go-to choice. Yeah. I have a few clients that I've worked with on a number of books, and I really look forward to those projects because they're my very favorite. And I just worry that I'm telling them the same things over and over again. If they worked with somebody else, maybe they would have something else to learn than what I have to offer. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting point, too, because just like writing, Even with editing, it's going to be, you know, the same points that you see one time. They're probably going to make those same mistakes again (laughs) and maybe be able to learn something new that you're not seeing. Like I said earlier, with having multiple sets of eyes, and that's kind of why I have a proofreader as well Mm -hmm. to look at things. And then I also send out arcs for my books Mm -hmm. to a specific group of people that are writers and who have been in with my series since the beginning. They're like my second round of betas after I've had an editor look at it to make sure that I'm still not missing anything. (laughs) Cold reads. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. So we've touched a little bit about this is fantasy, this is romance. And how about other ways that the genre is represented in Wings of Fate? And that's just a professional way for me to transition to the question I really, really, really want to talk about, which is your fantasy critters. 
Among others, you have unicorns. Did they change from draft to draft? Did your editors shape them at all? And how dare you imply that mermaids are nasty? I know. I feel very badly about that, actually, (laughs) because I love mermaids. I don't know how much you know about the Celtic lore, which is a lot of what Wings of Fate is based Mm. on. Celtic lore, mermaids are not the good guys. They are like these really gruesome creatures that exist in Celtic mythology. And I kind of wanted to pull on that just because we have so many books right now that are kind of like the Little Mermaid retailings, Mm -hmm. which I love because I love mermaids. But I liked having a little bit of that myth entangled in my story. So Wings of Fate has a lot of different creatures, especially as the series progresses. It starts with unicorns. And Phelan, who is the unicorn in the first book, has actually been a fan favorite. From the feedback I get, everybody loves Phelan because he's snarky and he's fun (laughs) and he's a unicorn. And he's a boy unicorn, so even better, right? (laughs) Without spoiling anything, like there are more creatures that come in the next few books that definitely play into that, you know, myth and legends that I am super obsessed with. Mm -hmm. But my editors, mostly my developmental editor again, did have some of the shape in that and did have at least a little bit of a say because toward like the second and third book, I was having a problem with actually putting enough creatures into the story. Mm. So I wanted more of them, but I didn't know how to do it without it being forced. Yeah, without dragging down the plot. Right, exactly. Like I wanted these creatures and I wanted to describe them and see how they could interact with this world. But I also didn't want it to feel like I was just throwing them in there because it was a fantasy book. Mm -hmm. My editor did have a lot to say about that. And she helped me find places where it felt like natural to have the character there and to have that creature available, especially with the idea of familiars, which is something that I use in my books, which are creatures that are attached to the Fae and who have like this connection with the Fae. So I have quite a few familiars throughout the series, but I liked having those be my familiars because then I got to talk about them and I got to see inside the minds of these creatures without it being like, oh, and there was a unicorn that rode by or there was a pegasus in the sky. They they have a reason for being there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But as for the mermaids, I've definitely gotten some feedback about that because people love mermaids, <laughs> but just by by rule of thumb, Celtic lore does not look kindly on mermaids. <laughs> Ouch. I know. I'll have to write a mermaid book next. <laughs> and there's just something really sad about books where they introduce a creature, especially a cat, and the cat is just like, they're in the room and then they're never talked about again. So I love that you really made a point to make your creatures into characters. I wanted them to have their own personalities and their own, you know, unique perspectives on this story that's happening because obviously there's a lot going on in this story and they have a part in it. They're not just there, mm-hmm. which is great. I really wanted them to have their own part. <laughs> Let's go ahead and move on to the questions that I ask all of the authors I talk to. First, What do you hate about the editing process? Ooh, hopefully my editor's not listening. (laughs) (laughs) We've talked a little bit about the initial moment where you get that manuscript back and you go through that moment of panic. Mm -hmm. So that obviously is not a fun moment. And I wish I could say that it goes away. But even three books in, I still get that like moment of like I have butterflies in my stomach and I'm nervous to open the email and Mm -hmm. there's no reason to be that way but I am. Can I share a secret? Yes I would love a secret. The secret (laughs) is that your editor 100% feels the same way about sending it to you. 
That's good to hear. <laughs> they are so worried that they're going to offend or they're going to break your heart or they're not going to be understood. So it goes both ways. Yeah, it's so funny because the first book that I got back edited from her, obviously it, it was my first book and I had a lot to do. And she wrote me a very long email before I even opened the document that was basically like, go get some chocolate and get ready. <laughs> and I was like, I already love you so much. Like, this is great. But I had to rewrite eight chapters of that book. Mm. It was very difficult and I was a little devastated, but it worked out in the end and it was beautiful at the end. But yeah, the whole middle, I did that thing you're not supposed to do and I info dumped and I threw stuff in there that shouldn't have been there. And so I rewrote that whole section. <laughs> so I'm always scared that's going to happen again, even though it's never happened again. I've never been in that situation where I had to rewrite, you know, a hundred and something pages of my book. But um, mm -hmm. so that is my least favorite part of the editing process. But now that I have that tip, I think I'll try to think about that before I open the email, because you're right. I'm sure she's just as nervous as I am sending it over to me. Yeah. Another thing, though, that I, I really don't like is... When I'm going through that editing, I just want to sit there and do the whole thing in one sitting. And I shouldn't do that. Oh, I know. No. I, yeah, that's what I want. Though. I'm like, <laughs> I just want to get this over with because I'm so bad at this. And so I'll sit there and I'll be frustrated with myself for it. But my tip to anybody listening is don't do that because obviously you stress yourself out with absorbing that much information at one time. And mm -hmm. I've taught myself to take it, you know, one section at a time now and it's okay to take a while to get through those notes. Yeah. Yeah. One section at a time or like half an hour at a time and whatever you get done, you get done or go through all of it and do the easy things and leave notes for yourself to come back to the things that you're like, oh, I don't even want to think about that right now. Right. <laughs> whatever works for you, make it easy on yourself. Yeah. I always do grammar first. Grammar first, huh? Those are the ones that I don't really have to think about. I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't use a comma there. Or, oh, yeah, I was supposed to put that sentence needs to be switched around and doesn't make sense. <laughs> so I do that stuff first because it's just easiest. And then I go back and I do the developmental stuff at the end because I need time to process those notes. <laughs> what is the most common bit of feedback you receive on your writing? So this has actually changed a little for me. Ooh, progress. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's a good sign. Originally, I had an issue with show don't tell, which is pretty common with first time writers and especially with romance. Um, we talked a lot about how those emotions have changed and I was doing a lot of the telling of you know what my characters were feeling rather than showing what they were feeling. So I had to learn how to not do that. And I feel like I've gotten a lot better because she doesn't give me those notes as often anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Another one is I get repetitive and I use the same phrases a lot. I've noticed my favorite phrase is after a moment. Mm. My last draft, I did a control F and I was like, how did I use it so many times? Like, <laughs> that's my biggest bit of feedback is I get a lot of the repetitiveness because I think that I'm an underwriter when it comes to my manuscript. And so I write really quickly, but I need to go back and add things in. So I tend to write those, you know, after a moment moments so that I can get through my chapter and then I forget to go back and, you know, add what actually happened there. <laughs> <laughs> the good thing about that type of feedback, though, is that it is something that's very easily fixed. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to, you know, make a note to myself. If you could see my computer, I have sticky notes all over my computer that say things that I had get comments on a lot. So I'm actually cheating right now because I'm reading my sticky note. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's things that I can remind myself not to do and that I can catch myself doing while I'm writing the manuscript. So I feel like I'm getting better at those. The most recent, I think, is just it's hard for me because I should have done a series Bible for my book. Mm. And I didn't. So I spend a lot of time going back through my other books to make sure that I have consistent scenes and consistent stupid things like, you know, what color were their eyes or what color was their (laughs) hair? Things that I have to go back and look up. That's a phrase that I've heard a couple of times, but I've never actually held one in my hands. What goes into a series Bible and how is it different than just a style sheet? So they're similar. Series Bible is a little bit more in-depth and it's more of the writer's version of a style sheet because style sheet's more like an editor term. Series Bible is going to have literally everything. It's going to have how long it takes to get from one place to another. For my book, it would be how long it takes from, to get from one kingdom to another so that I have that consistently throughout all four books, physical features and attributes. It's also going to have scenes like your setups and payoffs. Maybe you put something into a room that was supposed to mean something. So there's something on the wall. There's a sword on the wall. Oh, a Chekhov's gun. Yes. So it's there, but why Why is it there? And you forget about it. So that's going to be in your series Bible to remind you, okay, hey, you need to go back to that point and make sure that there's a reason that that was there. So it's really just like all the details that you don't want to forget <laughs> in your book. But it's also very similar to a style sheet, which would have a lot of those details as well. Mm-hmm. Writers like to be creative and make things more complicated than they are. <laughs> <laughs> I love making style sheets. The coolest part to me of the style sheet is the timeline. It's just saying, you know, we're in chapter one and here is the time of day or the day of the week and here are the main things that happened. And it's kind of like a reverse outline. Right. And then you can use that to see where things got wonky, where there's inconsistencies. Yeah. I find it just really fascinating to track details in that manner. Yeah. And it's really helpful just even having a timeline. So even if you you don't have the full style sheet, even if you just had the timeline of what was happening, it keeps you on track. And that's something that's really important, especially in the self-editing process. Mm -hmm. But when you get into self-editing and working through that, the Merc, as I call it, (laughs) then you really need to start, you know, outlining your timeline and outlining what's happening in your book so that you can make sure that it makes sense. Because like you said, sometimes it just gets wonky and you don't know what's going on. How did I get from point A to point B? Mm -hmm. (laughs) For the authors who let me work on their series, I'll pull up the previous timeline and that'll be a really great reminder of what happened in the last book because, you know, it's probably been a few months or a year since I read that last iteration. Right. Yeah. And especially as an editor, I'm sure, because it's not like you went and bought this book and you were obsessed with it. You're doing this for work and <laughs> you got to remember all the other books that were came between it. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. There are there are a few that I've bought and am highly obsessed with. I have some definite favorite author clients. Oh, that's sweet. I don't even know how I got so lucky as to be able to work on their books. So the last question is, Any last words of advice? Don't edit as you go, (laughs) since we're talking about (laughs) editing. It's funny because I am a co-founder on Instagram of the writer community, which is, Mm -hmm. it's a community of writers that, you know, helping each other get through the self-publishing process and the traditional publishing process, working on craft and becoming better at, especially during COVID, because obviously everything's locked down and you can't go to writer conferences. So we kind of did this in view of that. So I get a lot of questions about, you know, well, how did you how did you publish so quickly and how how did you get so many books out so quickly? Because I did a rapid release. 
my word of advice is, you know, don't edit as you go, like just write your story, tell yourself the story and then go back and edit and self edit and then hire your editor and your cover designer and just take it step by step because that's how you're going to actually get it finished. And I feel like a lot of people say I'm writing a book and then they never finish the book. Mm -hmm. That is the most important thing to me is that I finish that manuscript and then editing is just going to make it better. So (laughs) I get to do that later. But at first, I'm just telling the story and I'm doing what I love. And because I'm a storyteller at heart, that's what it is. So my advice is, you know, make sure that you write the whole draft without editing, then self edit, then hire your editor and definitely hire one because they are going to be able to see where you made mistakes and where you could be better. And they're going to make you into a better writer. And I love that. I love telling people that my editor makes me a better writer because I feel like I owe her so much. (laughs) Yeah. And to not be so hard on yourself because obviously writing a book is a huge deal and it's impressive. I think it's really cool to be able to say, hey, I wrote a book. Um, Not a lot of people get to say that. And then to have it, you know, show up as an Amazon bestseller, that has been the highlight of my month this month. Yeah. The last portion of our program is a hot and wholesome gossip corner. Are there any other writers or creators doing something that you're excited about? Any shout outs you want to give or people you want to lift up? Yes, absolutely. Because I would not be where I am today without so many amazing other authors in my life. (laughs) One who stands out among the rest is a friend of mine. Her name is Tanaya MKD, and she has a book coming out in February, her first book. And I mentioned earlier that I am a beta reader. So I beta read her book, New Identity. She is incredible. So it's a a new adult superhero novel. And I had never read a superhero novel before. I mean, I'm a huge superhero movie fan. Mm -hmm. I love superhero movies, but I'd never actually read a novel that had superheroes. (laughs) And I was blown away. That was before she even sent it to our editor. That was just beta reading. So I am very excited for her book that's coming out. And I definitely recommend checking her out on Instagram at Tanaya MKD as well. And then, I mean, there's so many people that I have been able to connect with throughout this past year since I published my book. I have a writing coach who I work with, Rami Vance, and he's been amazing and been able to you know, walk me through the self-publishing process because he's a best-selling author on Amazon and he, you know, sells thousands of books every day. And it's been an honor to work with him. So he has books on Amazon as well, which Gone God World series, (laughs) it's a mouthful. That's another piece of advice I have is that if you're writing a book, connect with other authors because that is the best way to get your book out there and to get feedback on your book. And those are just two examples of people that have shaped me as an author. So I'm very grateful for everything that they've done and all the support they've given me. I love it. If you want to check out Sky's work, you can look for her Kingdoms of Fairy series. The third book is out now, and the fourth is set to release in early 2021. You can find Sky at skyhorn.com and be sure to sign up for her newsletter. And she's on Twitter and Instagram as at skyhorn underscore author. Thank you again for talking with me, Sky. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. If you 
loved this episode of Edit Your Darlings, why not share it with a friend? Remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast fix. For show notes, go to edityourdarlings.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at @editpodcast or I'm at Ariel Copy Edits. Until next week, cheers. Mm-hmm.